Hello and welcome to the Anchored by Faith podcast, the Reformed Baptist podcast with the goal to hold to Scripture to be conformed to the image of God. My name is Colton Wright and my co-host over here, Togin Batisti. Just kidding. It's actually Logan. We should announce that like WWE. Togin. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> that was a little loud. Let's not do that. Got to work on that announcer voice there. You got to get the deep growl in there. In this corner, Togo. I like Logo better than Togo, though. Neither one of them is good wrestling names. It doesn't sound very ferocious. No, not at all. You're not going to be winning any WWE championships. Not anytime soon. (laughs) I just feel sorry for the listeners' ears now. Uh, Well, they don't have them now. No, they don't. Probably didn't want to listen to this anyway, so... Yeah, at least one speaker's busted, or eh, maybe an eardrum, but it's fine. It's fine. God God gave others. Oh, yeah. So, since it's been three months since our last podcast there, Colton... Man, it's been a while. What's changed in your life, man? Uh, Everything. Everything's Just changed. Everything. Just the whole life has changed. Right? Let's yeah. Let's see. You've gotten a new job. New job graduated graduated mhm and expecting yep bam 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 all three in one time it's, yeah i we are allowed to announce that over this right i guess i should ask yeah eh, by the time it airs yeah it'd be fine yeah i mean everybody at church knows anyways so yeah the five listeners that are listening know <laughs> right but yeah it's it's been a very very busy few months uh yeah uh no doubt and then next month we get to see if you're actually going to be the preacher at church yeah we will full see full time we well will not see. full time but bivocational but no longer interim pastor interim is a title that will not be there anymore nope i will definitely be the, be the guy that gets blamed for everything i thought you already were <laughs> no. well i y- this is correct but um, now they can't say, well, he's just the interim. Now I'd be like, well, no, he's that guy. Yep. So it's been uh, been up and down, a lot of a lot of prayer, a lot of studying, very busy. What about you? Well, it's been just as busy, just not as much. Um, the major highlights, I guess, were Fourth of July. Um, my grandparents 90th wedding anniversary celebration and then my grandma dying memorial day weekend yeah. those will probably be the three major highlights yeah. that i can think of right now it's been a busy been busy it's it no honestly like in deaths and stuff like this past month and a half like it's been crazy how many people i know or have talked to yeah I know of two customers, a salesman at Hewlett Chevrolet. Wow. Mark, mm. his wife's dad passed away in an accident over here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He passed away in an accident. It seems like when one death occurs like near you, yeah. it's like a domino effect. You just see so much. It's mm-hmm. a tragic. Well, when are your kids? I mean, death's something that's there, but like. You don't really re- 
Yeah. Don't realize how much death affects us. Yeah. It uh, it, it does affect us. You know, death makes us appreciate the time God has given us. Right. Mom always said that <clears throat> death makes us aware of our loved ones and how um, she always said it showed us that you should you never know when someone's going to die therefore you should always treat everybody with the utmost respect and godly ways because you never know when you can I mean if you leave a situation or a relationship you never know when you can ask for forgiveness again right so that was a pretty good way to live attempt to live yeah I mean I guess the nice thing to know is like when you think of Christians who die, like you have that look to look forward to, like this is not the last time you're going to see them. Yeah. Makes it a lot easier. Yeah. When they, when you know they've, you know, they, they believe it makes it a little, little easier transition. You know, you, you, you weep because, you know, it's sad and right. you miss them, but at the same time, it's a joy. I mean, it's such a joy because you know they're in the presence of the Lord. Almost, you know, it, for me, I think of how wonderful that is for them. Right. I mean, not just saying that passingly, but how joyous it is to be in the presence of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Yeah. And then next week, we're both going to be wore out by the end of the week, no doubt. VBS. Vacation Bible School. Mm-hmm. And it is a very, very busy um, Sunday coming up. Sunday coming up and next few Sundays. Next few Sundays. Yeah. Uh-oh. Several baptisms. Several baptisms. Yes. It's awesome. I mean, it is I a mean, praise. I mean, <laughs> it's a praise. I'm just sitting, We're just sitting here nodding our heads like, like yeah. yeah, it's going to be busy. But it's no. Be, I'm so stoked. I got so many baptisms. It's like, oh, that's awesome. Wow. It's going to be a busy few weeks. Yeah. Did you end up throwing communion in one of those weeks? That makes it. That's 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 part of the reason. <laughs> and a business meeting sprinkled in there somewhere. So it's a very, very busy. Oh, there's a business meeting coming up? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. It's going to be a busy, well, busy few yeah, weeks. Yeah, I guess I knew that. There'd have to be one at the end of August. Yeah. Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah, it's a little closer to the beginning of August, but... Oh, then we'd have to have two in August. Because you're not supposed to vote on you until the end of August. No, just till August. Just in August. Oh, just in August. Oh, never mind then. Yeah. I thought we had to wait till the end of August. No, we're just going to go in August. Sweet. But we have that. Very busy. Great stuff. Getting church stuff knocked out. Wonderful things happening at church. Super stoked. By the way, if you can't tell, we both go to the same church and have been going to the same church for a long time now. Four years? Four and a half, Four give and or half. take. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. Even though we, yeah. But Colton's the only one who's serving in, well, in any position ministry, we'll say that. <laughs> you serve enough. Serve enough. In fact, if you watch any of the Facebook videos, you can thank this man. No, don't thank me for those. <laughs> oh. I can't but, figure it out. Oh, it, 
I was everything's so laggy right now on our internet, but we'll make it work. So let's recap a little bit. Since it's been so long, I know we spent a little bit of time of recapping. So let's continue to recap since we haven't done one in three months on our series. Mm. What are we doing again? Push-ups. Sit-ups. Running. Yeah, you lost me at we're doing. Yeah. Now, we're not doing any kind of disciplines like that. What we're looking at are spiritual disciplines in our lives. Thank goodness. I have a father figure, and I've worked very hard for this. I've worked my whole life to obtain this body. (laughs) My head, I was thinking that you meant somebody you were looking up to. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm looking at in the mirror, and God has blessed me with this body, so I have to maintain it. Right. And you don't maintain this body by doing push-ups or sit-ups. You could add to it with it i'm a small guy it's not gonna help is once you have two kids (laughs) it's all downhill from there no but so we've been going through different spiritual disciplines so what are the spiritual disciplines there's a lot of them okay (laughs) what is the definition okay like what spiritual disciplines are there for actions Try not to use the word discipline because that would defeat the purpose. Actions that are used to further your sanctification and grow in godliness. Well, Colton, you're using big words. Actions that make you a better Christian. Is that oh, better? Yeah. Because I was about to say sanctification. I mean, we talked about it before. We talked about sanctification. But sanctification is the process of being sanctified being made holy mm-hmm. means to be set apart to be other or as romans 8 says to be conformed to the image of god someone should make that a podcast motto right but <clears throat> yeah spiritual disciplines help conform us to the image of god absolutely and there's a lot of them, actually. There's a lot of them. Um, and depending on which book you really read, on how they break down. Yeah. So is Donald Whitney's book the only book on spiritual disciplines? No, there's there's lots of books out there. I know you've been reading another one alongside this. Yeah. Uh, um, I have one? Habits of Grace by mm. David Mathis. And then I also have another one. Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster, I think is his name. And there's lots of books on spiritual disciplines, but um, Don Whitney is probably one of the better known. Yeah. Widely used. Maybe maybe that's a better thing. Widely used, um, widely uh, recommended. Right. And granted, uh, David Mathis is another one that's another one that comes widely recommended. If you don't know who he is, he has a lot of ties to John Piper and his college, which I can't think of what it's called right now. That was just Bethlehem Bible. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe not. Anyway. Tells you how much we look into scholarly stuff. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, not too much. So, 
let's talk about the main three that kind of inform all of the spiritual disciplines, right? Um, prayer. Okay, prayer. Big one. Gigantic. Scriptural intake. Yep. Evangelism. Evangelism is a big one. But mm. there's one that connects all three of them, too. I mean, meditation? I meditation. I don't know if he actually calls that one in his, but David Mathis points to it as one. Yeah. yeah, meditating on God's word. Right. Because when you think of meditation, biblical intake, and prayer, they all three fuel one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you should be meditating. You should be reading God's word, meditating on God's word, and that should be informing your prayer life and all of your life, but especially your prayer life, and then fueling your evangelism. Right. We've done we fasting, had fasting. Fasting. Yep. Let's see. There's serving for the purpose of godliness. There's looking at biblical stewardship. I didn't think we'd ever get a full episode on that one. I thought we'd have to combine it with something. Ooh, a major one we forgot was worship. That's a really big one. Where is your heart at in worship, and how do you worship the Lord? Yeah, absolutely. But we're on... We're on something that is... I think this is actually very talked about today. Yeah, for sure. I think it's very talked about. I think it's talked about with the ruse of betterment, but really brings negativity, if that makes sense. Let me elaborate. Maybe flush it out some more. Yeah. So our discipline is silence and solitude. Oh, I totally wasn't going to say anything and just see if they picked it up from that. Oh. <laughs> just, our discipline is it's actually really perfect because there's a frog in the background. And I doubt the microphones picked it no. up. There's a frog in the background that whole time. It's just ribbiting away. Mm-hmm. It's quite peaceful. There's a lot of solitude there. But we're still in the same room. That's not solitude. But I have my own bubble. And you have your bubble. But why would silence and solitude be something that's important in a believer's life? It'd be important because let's just look at our American life. I think it's something we can, Americans should be able to, I don't know, see this a little easier. We live such high, fast paced lives from our vehicles to our TVs, to our books, to our jobs, everything is geared to fast, be faster, quick moving. Um, and, you know, we're not ever called to stop. Mm-hmm. In fact, when you, you know, when you're in seminary, you understand that silence is a lost art. <laughs> it's a lost it's, art. It's a lost art. Trying to find a silent place to study. It's but very you hard. Didn't technically, go to a physical seminary. I, I had life <laughs> in general. <laughs> Trying to study in anywhere. Trying to read chapter after chapter after chapter of a book in McDonald's. <laughs> Is that where you tried to read? I tried to do that. I had to do that for a while. Yeah. Had to study in McDonald's in the mornings before I went to work. 
Oh, man. That, yeah. I mean, I've been there, done that a time or two, so when I was in college, but... But you see, everyone lives as fast-paced lives. Yeah. We don't ever stop. Things aren't quiet. So why would it be important? We, we move so quickly that we don't ever concentrate on one thing. Yeah, just thinking about stuff in general we think of our like attention spans and stuff like that mm -hmm. or even me and a friend were talking about it while we were eating mexican like you go to a restaurant nowadays or even go to a drive-thru if your drive-thru takes like five minutes to get you your food you're mad <laughs> you're mad and even by the five minute mark most of the time you're like um this is supposed to be ready in two minutes yeah. and i get out of here you want a free Besides taco at culver's you want a free taco or a slushy? You're probably at the window demanding one. Yeah. But like, we realize that our whole thing's based on instant gratification a lot of the times mm -hmm. nowadays. And it's hard for us to sit and focus and actually pay attention to and grow in something. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> when you think of silence, let's look at movies today as our culture, is the quiet, soft-spoken person the one you see a lot in movies? No, you see the bolsterous, outspoken you know, person that is just the bull in the china shop. You don't ever see the silent person as being positive. I mean, as a society, we've alienated that. People that are silent or seek solitude are weird. Yeah, they have to be hanging out with their groups of people, going and doing fun things, going to parties, going to games. I mean, even towards band and stuff like that, mm -hmm. not focusing on the people who are silent and as much. Mm -hmm. You're, you, we are ingrained from the time you know, we enter into school to be, to fill every waking moment with something in our life. Because if there's silence or we have idle hands, then we're not doing something. We need to be somewhere. We'll be doing something. We need to be involved in something. And so that's why I think this is, this is kind of lost today. Well, we'll bring up a good point there. Okay. Does silence and solitude mean you have to have idle hands. No. Hopefully, if you're seeking silence and solitude, you, your hands are lifted up. Right. To God. But when we talk about silence and solitude, okay, does that mean you can go be silent and solitude, lock yourself in a room, and just sit on Facebook the whole time? <laughs> Do we just not have this conversation, Logan? No. I, we I, had this one personally, we, we yes. Did, we personally had this one. But is it's a good example to think about right now. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's silence and solitude. It's silence, maybe. Solitude. Yes. Yes. Is it good and godly? No. Right. I guess like what we're trying to do to do is in our silence and sol solitude still redeem the time mm -hmm. to think of worshiping God in those instances still. I think we should we think of silence and solitude um we should think of rest almost 
in my mind, that's what I think of. I think of rest. I think of resting in the Lord. I think of Sabbath. Right. Are you resting in the Lord? That doesn't mean, you know, you can take it to the extreme of saying being silent means being completely quiet or being solitude means completely doing nothing. That wasn't the point of the Sabbath. I mean, we're not even talking about history either where we're telling you to go be monks in a monastery either with no. it. But <clears throat> I know I've quoted this before, but I still think it was a great analogy with D.A. Carson and his when he mentions praying with your boots on. You know, are you praying always on the move or are you actually dwelling in the presence of God? But then I think that opens up another can of worms. All right, let's follow the can of worms. Okay. So I like to go fishing. Not really. <laughs> I love to go fishing. I don't get to do it, but I love to go fishing. Should I have to when I when I seek this silence and solitude? Okay. Um, should I go to the experts on how to seek silence and solitude? I mean, if if I'm seeking silence and solitude for the order of godliness, okay. Should I go to the experts um, on how to unlock this secret? Oof. Well, as long as they're experts, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Good one there. What if there was a book, <laughs> a certain book that was on a shelf and almost every single Christian bookstore and Walmart and Barnes and Noble? I feel like you're trying to hint at something. I, I've just, never read this said book. I'm not just, really, I'm just calling what it is. But in all honesty, like. Let's just say there was a book. And maybe it had like Jesus and it talked about him calling. Okay. I still haven't read this book and can't you think of what book you're oh. talking about. So do I believe you can read books that can help enhance mm-hmm. and further your meditations and studying doing your silence and solitude? We both have to say yes to that because that's yeah. what we're doing right now is using a book to do that. Good point. But like any book in general, when you're trying to enhance your learning, it always comes with being a Berean with it. And what I mean by that is that you're reading what your book is and you're not just taking it at face value. So what if this certain book told me to go out in the woods by myself to seek silence and solitude so I could hear what God was telling me? Well, I would answer it. And it and, should be an audible voice. Okay. I don't believe it should be an audible voice. Well, it could be an audible voice. I don't, I, don't, I haven't decided if I'm a cessationist or not yet. Mm. But do I believe that sometimes we need to go out into the woods and go mm-hmm. and walk mm-hmm. and have that time alone with God? Absolutely. I mean, if you think of something like this, one of the reasons that Jonathan Edwards was attracted to his wife is because that is something she would constantly do is go out in the field and have those moments of silence and solitude. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think of other moments. I know of two guys in our church who were saved in a hayfield. Two guys? I know of one. We'll see. I will talk afterwards. But anyway. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what he said. It was while he was in the middle of the field. I don't know if it was a but, hayfield, but fields okay. specifically. Yeah. But uh, 
so if this voice, I mean, you, you mentioned like meditating, so I shouldn't just say that God told me something special in the woods. Well, if you do, and you're going to stick with your guns, I always try to go out with a bang, I guess. (laughs) 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 No, don't go out with a bang. Should I say I could be a god on my own planet? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) No, do not... Do not try I mean, to go out with the thing. I am 100% <laughs> kidding. <laughs> if you're going to do it, you need to be a god of your own planet. Okay. That's what you need to do. That's the, that's the number one goal. No, in all honesty, like, you need to talk with other people and make sh- and talk with other Christians and mm. say, like, hey, this is what happened. Can you help me in scripture figure yeah. out what in the world just happened to me? See, I think that's... <laughs> You now I caught you on guard. <laughs> that caught me off guard. That's good, but it it ties into that because you said that, and like bells started going off my head, and I'm like, that's actually a good point. Because those don't know. So the book that I'm referring to that I've been probing is the book Jesus Calling. Okay, it okay. makes me want to vomit. I don't know if you've ever read it. And, nope. <laughs> and if you're hearing this, I'm sorry. You need to quit reading the book. And it talks about in the book I read. I don't know, maybe the first chapter, and I was like, ugh. But talks about going out in the wilderness and being wrapped up in the presence of God and God speaking in this audible voice and and how you need to be silent in solitude so you can hear God speaking to you in this revelation. And well, it's not necessarily wrong about right. being silent. Because, I mean, if you think about it, there's mm-hmm. Bible precedents. Yeah, there's, there's this precedence. The problem is it's not what you should seek. Right. You shouldn't seek that type of supernatural experience in order to grow in holiness. Absolutely. In fact, most of the time when you're silent and you're in solitude, you should be dwelling on what God has already said, not on new revelation because what he's already said isn't good enough. Yeah. And then, sorry, go ahead. The whole point of the silence and solitude part is to where you're getting away from the droning, the busyness, the mm-hmm. distractions. I mean, silence and solitude is giving you some place to actually focus on what's in front of you. Yeah. Well, then you <clears throat> you brought up a point. Talking about going out with a bang. <laughs> That's an interesting point, though, because those that don't know the story of Joseph Smith. Right. And what would Joseph Smith do? Joseph Smith wanted to know which church to join. So he went out into the woods by himself Mm -hmm. and he prayed and asked God what church he should join God God the father and God the son that's an important note came forward and said he shouldn't join any of the churches because they're all an abomination and the professors are corrupt don't join any of them and then he gave him this secret revelation or a new revelation Mm -hmm. the lost gospels so anyway we see that silence and solitude, while it's while we're promoting it, we are not promoting it in those two ways. Right. So we are contrasting those two things. Right. I mean, another thing we're not promoting, I found this illustration interesting from Whitney, is he talks about a favorite short story of his called The Bet mm. by Anton Chekhov. 
I think I said that right. So we're essentially a wealthy middle-aged banker and a young, educated lawyer make a bet. Let me just read. Okay, go for it. A wealthy middle-aged banker believed that the death penalty was a more humane penalty than solitary confinement because executioner kills at once. Solitary confinement kills gradually. One of his guests at a party, a young lawyer of 25, disagreed saying to live under any conditions is better than not to live at all. So essentially, they make a bet on money of how long the lawyer can live alone. And the lawyer says he can live 15 and it'd be for 2 million rubles. So essentially the story develops. The lawyer lives in solitary confinement by himself. He receives food through a door, but is allowed to see nobody. Guards and the banker can look in and see him. But essentially, he could get anything he wants. He can get books. He can get certain foods, musical instruments, um, granted by a special request. And essentially, like through the years you go on, the lawyer learns to read piano. He starts reading some of the classical authors and then learns to speak languages, which is interesting. Why learn languages when you can't talk to anybody in the first place? And how do you figure out if you're speaking them right if you can't talk to anybody in the first place? Good point. It's an analogy. <laughs> it's a short story. It's a short story. And then he starts begin reading the New Testament, mastering theology, and then many subjects and probably different religions. And then finally, it's almost time for the deadline, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the banker is a terrible guy. He wastes most of his money. And if he has to pay these two million rubles, it's going to ruin him. But what the lawyer says at the end of it really kind of strikes me. It says, tomorrow at 12 o'clock, I shall be free. But before leaving this room, I find it necessary to say a few words to you. With a clear conscience and before God who sees me, I declare to you that I despise all that your books call the joys of this world. For 15 years, I have studied attentively the life of this world. It is true that I neither saw the earth nor its peoples, but in your books I lived. I sang songs, I hunted the deer and the wild boar in the forest. In your books, I climbed to the summit of Elbers and Mount Blanc. I saw from those heights the sunrise in the morning, and at night it shed its purple glow over the sky and the ocean and the mountaintops. I saw beneath me the flashing lightning cutting through the clouds. I saw green fields, forests, rivers, lakes, and towns. I heard the song of the sirens and the music of the shepherd's reed's pipe. I felt the touch of the wings of beautiful angels who had flown to me. Your books gave me wisdom. All that had been achieved by the untiring brain of man during those long centuries is stored in my brain as a small compressed mass. I know I am wiser than you all, and I despise all your books. I despise all earthly wisdom. All is worthless and false, hollow and deceiving like the mirage. You may be proud, wise, and beautiful, but death will wipe you away from the face of the earth as it does the mice that live beneath your floor. And your heirs, your history, your immortal genius will freeze or burn with the destruction of the earth. You have gone mad and are not following the right path. You take falsehood for truth and deformity for beauty. To prove to you how I despise all that you value, I renounce the two millions on which I looked at one time as the opening of paradise for me, and which I now scorn. To deprive myself of the right to receive them, I will leave my prison five hours before the appointed time, and by so 
doing break the terms of our compact? That would be kind of nice. Two million dollars? Two million. I don't know how much. Oh, well, I don't know how many rubies. And then I have to get my conversion calculator. But I'm sure it's a lot. It's got to be close. I mean, it wouldn't be like two million pesos, I feel like. Two million pesos would be like oh. $2,000. That's not going to be a whole lot. Oh. Make sure I got this right. Yeah, it's only, I mean, it's a lot. Like, it's $22,200. Yeah. Uh I would not spend 15 years for $22,000. That's minimum wage job, man. It's less than a minimum wage. It's less than a minimum wage. I would say go flip burgers at McDonald's, but they make more than that. So, right. Wow. Logan, you just undercut your whole story. It's all in shambles now. For Americans, yes. For Russians, maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I just feel bad for the guy. He didn't. He didn't do math. He did math for where he lived. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting how, <clears throat> well, through silence and solitude, he realized that everything in the world. That is so desired and loved is really nothing. I mean, it makes you think so, think of Ecclesiastes, right? That's where my mind went. It's vanity. It's vanity. <laughs> all is vanity. vanity. It is. It's all meaningless. When you consider they will be burned up with this world. Um, that's one thing I had great conviction. I was, uh, we mentioned I switched jobs in the, uh, one of the reasons was to do ministry more. And during the discussion, I had one of uh, my coworkers say, you know, the one thing I've never had anyone ever say at the end of their life, I've never heard anyone say this at the end of their life, is, man, I really wish I would work just a little bit more. I really wish I would work just a few more hours. I wish I would have just put 10 more hours in. Right. Didn't hear that. And said what you hear is, I wish I would have spent more time. I would have spent more time at home. I would have done this. I would have done that. Your kids, your friends, in in an earthly sense, your kids will never remember. They won't remember the fact that you worked 10 hours late to make them more food on the table. What they remember is daddy's never home. And so, yeah. Yeah, they'll they'll remember the times of where you don't show up for sports games. They... They'll yeah. show up, or they'll remember the times where I didn't show up for birthday parties and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And so, if you were too busy for the most important things in your life, i.e., God being that, what are you saying? I heard one one person say, "You ask every Christian, and they will say, uh, if you ask every Christian, do you put God first in your life?" Most Christians. Will knee jerk say yes? Of course I do. Um, and then he follows it up by saying, "Okay, what would happen if you didn't for a day? What would happen if you put God second? Mm-hmm. Did your life change? If your answer is no, God's not first. Then quit lying to yourself. And if 
God's the more important, if God's supposed to be the number one, then shouldn't we dwell? Doesn't he deserve silence, to, to dwell, silence and solitude with our creator compared to our Facebook phone? Yeah. Well, I mean, even thinking of that, like one of the things that I've been struggling with, especially when it comes to doing sound and stuff at church is like, you get so focused on doing the ministry out stuff at church that sometimes it feels as if you're going into a job, like you have your routine that you do every Sunday morning. Yeah. And then like, what happens when things don't go right? Like the slides take forever to change. Um, Your internet doesn't want to load up. Yeah. Like it's so easy to get so caught up in making those things perfect that some a lot of the times I end up missing what yeah. I'm originally supposed to be there on Sunday for in the first place. Mm-hmm. But then here's the real kicker is I start to think, wait, why am I just trying to do this on Sunday? When in all reality, how am I trying to worship God every single day of the week? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Sunday, yeah, I focus on that completely. Mm-hmm. But I really, I really suck at making it a priority throughout the rest of my week. Yeah, I mean, I do too. To be honest with you, yeah. Yeah. But, and all we think of worshiping on Sunday, but sometimes we forget those moments of how do we make it to where we can worship God in our home life too, or in our work life, or in those moments of silence and solitude to where we can fuel those others. Yeah. I mean, don't we so often say as Christians, always be in prayer? Yeah. Don't we Don't we always say, rest in the Lord? Or, as Paul puts it in Colossians, I pray for you unceasingly. Yeah. Or something unceasingly. like that. Do you really do that? Oh. You know, we, we, we kind of say it, but how how easy how yeah how easy is it to just be silent More like do you know how hard is can it can you imagine this so i did a yeah how hard it is yeah i did a study not a study i did a little study once um and it was on the sabbath and it was amazing because uh the study basically concluded with the uh, the challenge if you were it was for men and it was a uh, are you a sabbath man meaning are you resting in the lord and i think this goes along with the solitude thing uh the same vein because he said it was all the commandments right mm-hmm. do this do this do this 10 commandments think about it you do this do this do this do this don't do this don't do this and then you have the one keep the sabbath do you know what that meant do nothing Right. I mean, I, you know what I mean. Not, not just so that, but be silent and seek solitude with the Lord. Just cease from your work and rest in God. Doesn't that seem so easy? Right. Well, think of instances of like, you think of Leviticus too. Like, what about the year of Jubilee? Mm, yeah. <laughs> that I'm pretty sure that whole year they weren't supposed to harvest, right? Yeah. If I remember. I think you're right. Let, oh. Just let the ground rest. 
you're supposed to let the ground rest. Can you imagine, like, I don't know that I've never been a farmer, but I can imagine, like, if you didn't have to do that, like, how much time that wouldn't, that would give you. Yeah. It, can you imagine just the, the Lord saying, I will take care of you. Just rest. And we say, I can't do that. Because if I don't rest, if if I rest, then I won't be able to sustain myself. Well, you're right, but you're not supposed to be. You're supposed to be relying on God. And, and if we don't stop to seek silence in the Lord, then we aren't like the psalmist. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in Psalm 62, my soul waits in silence for God alone. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation. My stronghold, I will not be greatly shaken. Right. I mean, we think of other examples from Scripture. You look at Matthew 4, during the time of when Jesus was led into the desert Temptation, to be yeah. tempted. The primary of this purpose of the event was to show how Jesus was going to be the new Adam mm-hmm. and to conquer Satan's temptations. But during that time, he had a 40-day period, silence and solitude. Showing you know, a great parallel between what Israel did, their 40 years, which was not being silent, definitely, and not seeking solitude. I mean... I think there's another instance, I don't know specifically what it is, but before Jesus went to choose the disciples, went and prayed. Well, it was a common thing for him to seek silence and solitude. Right. I mean, specifically Matthew 14, 23. After he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Mark 1, 35, rising very early in the morning while it was still dark. He departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Luke four forty two, When it was day, he departed and went to a desolate place, and the people saw him and came to him. If the one, our motto is Romans 8, 28, you know, to be conformed. Is it 8, 28 or 8, 23? Huh? Romans 8, 28, to be conformed to the image of, yeah, 28, 29. So yeah. To be conformed to the image of God. Oh, okay. It is 829. You're right. So to be conformed to the image of God. Yeah. So if that's the goal, right? Being conformed to the image of Christ. Right. The perfect the perfect one. If he sought silence and solitude in his earthly body, why do we think that we can somehow scathe by and, and not have it? Why do we you know Speaking us to ministry, okay. Christ has just had the the crowds come to him, thousands upon thousands, and that's the time. You know, what do you start? You start small groups, okay. If you're, um, you you start uh, new membership classes. You start. Let's get some deacons, some elders going. Let's let's form a church. Let's do this. We we're too busy. Boom, 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 boom. Let's get a committee started, okay? Because that's how we kill everything. Let's go ahead and, you know, let's get uh, let's get the trustees involved. Let's start let's start getting a, a building campaign. Do you see? 
like what we said in all those things is, hey, we need to be doing these things. And and God, Christ, said silence and solitude. I guess like one of the big kickers is, well, not big kickers, but one of the things to think about is throughout the entire service, like seems like we always plan on something to be happening. Even especially if you get towards the end, towards the altar call, towards Mm -hmm. that time of meditation. Mm -hmm. Whether it be another rendition of Just As I Am. 28 28 lines. I saw that hand. But when's the last time that we actually took a second to have silence in those moments? And sometimes silence is the bigger weight to press upon oneself rather than. Yeah. For me, that's probably one of the bigger reasons at the end of a sermon. I like, it's maybe not solitude, but I think it's silence. I think it's time to dwell is get, we do the last song and the song's playing. It's not 29 verses of come as you are, or, um, you know, or amazing grace, nothing, nothing like that. And we don't just keep going on and on, but it's a song. To close us in worship. And I like that because I think it gives us a moment to reflect upon what was spoken and what is being said now mm-hmm. to to be to dwell in solitude with the Lord. Right. And it's one of the reasons why I don't I don't really like calling it an altar time anymore. Like I want people to know they can come up and pray. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I don't want people to feel like, okay, the only focus of this time is supposed to be for those who can go up and pray at the altar because the sermon's leading them to. Yeah. No, this is a time for you to reflect on what's been said during the sermon. It's Mm -hmm. a time to figure out how you can apply it to your life based on what's been preached to you Mm -hmm. or even, okay. Go over some things in there. Study again what the pastors said. Mm-hmm. I mean, this isn't a time. Yes, it's closing time, but it's not like closing time. All right. Um, I'm going to have a brisket on in five minutes, and then everybody's yep. going to be over by four o'clock. Yeah, exactly. It shouldn't be a checklist. Yeah. You know, it shouldn't be, okay. You know, I think of the order of service. It shouldn't be, there's a few songs, okay, sermon, point one, point two, point three, and altar call, and we're done. Right. And I know maybe we're going out in the weeds here a little bit, but but I think it's relevant because um, there's no solitude. That's not solitude. That's a map. And you're following. Well, I think we're conflating. Okay. Worship and solitude. You might be right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. But we're, we're maybe solitude in worship, I guess. Yeah. Like it's kind of maybe we're just melding. We're just kind of free flowing here. But I think uh I think there's still an element to that where um solitude is not something that should be done mechanically right it's not like 
recipe. Okay. I got to check out, check Mark off every quarter. I've gone to the woods. I've gone to a cabin and prayed for yeah. what my sermons are going to be like for a month now yeah. or prayed how this is going to happen. Or yeah. I've gone and done a retreat for a week mm-hmm. where I've got up every morning before the kids wake up. Yeah. And the evangelist, oh, he was so on fire last night. For those of you who don't know, I'm talking about kids in youth camp. <laughs> but yeah. those instances are a great time of where we can introduce silence and solitude mm-hmm. and give adults some time in nature away from everything to have their silence yeah. and solitude while they're volunteering and teaching kids. Yeah. But it's so important to understand that there's a balance between fellowship and corporate worship while having solitude and individual worship. Mm-hmm. Because in all reality, you really can't have a good Christian life without having both and mm-hmm. having a good mixture between both. Yeah. I Be- think, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Because. It's definitely something that's going to be noticed corporately if you don't have good individual worship. But Mm. if you have good individual worship, you're going to want to worship corporately. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, it's, if you treat, if you treat solitude as a mechanic where, you know, you've checked your box, you've done what you're supposed to do, you've said your magic prayer, your formula, um, is that solitude or is it a moment where you are sitting down with your own emotions mm-hmm. or are you sitting down dwelling on God? Because as Christians, there's really, there should be nothing more sweet than that. We should desire to, to dwell on God's word, to get away the distractions, get away everything and like meditating. But, Instead of a lot of times when we meditate, a difference between meditation and, and silence and solitude, in our meditation, um, it's the reciting of God's word back and, and and thinking on it and and considering the deep depths of it. Where silence is really this inflection where you're not asking God for something. Mm-hmm. I mean, so many times we go to God like a magical genie in a lamp. But when was the last time you prayed and you didn't ask God for something? Have you pr- ever prayed and simply dwelt on who God is? Yeah. I was just listening to a Paul Washer sermon. Um, and he mentioned how he was in this seminary. And professor walks in and says, start naming the attributes of God. So people are kicking it out there omniscient, omnipresent, loving, you know, wrathful, going through all his characteristics. Paul Washer said he was sitting there staring at it thinking, he, he said he must have had this distorted look on his face. And so his professor finally called on him and said, Washer, what's what's going on? You don't agree with these? And he said, no, I don't. He says, I think, I think this is silly. 
you realize that we spend all day talking about these attributes of God, and he is so much more than we can even express. And we have boiled it down to words. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times we mechanically take silence and dwelling in God as a word, a vocabulary word that we've checked our box, and we don't really dwell in silence on God. Instead, it's me listening to my wants and desires in my mind, thinking that is somehow a godly action. Does that make sense? Right. You know, you're not actually, you're not actually being silent. You're playing a tape in your head. Yeah. It's kind of like when we're speaking of meditation, it's not like we're trying to empty our minds completely of anything and not think about something all like in the mind of meditation. It's all focusing on God and the creator. Yeah. But you can't do that without prayer and you can't do that without biblical intake. Yeah. So in theory, in silence and solitude, you really can't do this without all the other disciplines that we've yeah. just said before this. It's, maybe that's why they just keep coming up. But I mean, I like Mike what, when he wrote from David Brainerd. Mm-hmm. On April 28th in 1742, David wrote, withdrew to my usual place of retirement in great peace and tranquility and spent about two hours in secret duties. I felt much as I did yesterday morning, only weaker and more overcome. I seemed to hang and depend wholly upon my dear Lord, wholly weaned from all my, from all other dependencies. I knew not what to say to my God, but only lean on his bosom as it were, and breathe out my desires after a perfect conformity to him in all things. Thirsting desires and insatiable belongings possess my soul after perfect holiness. God was so precious to my soul that the world with all its enjoyments was infinitely vile. I had no more value for the favor of men than for pebbles. The Lord was my all, and he overruled all, which greatly delighted me. I think my faith and dependence upon God's scars ever rose so high. I saw him such as a fountain of goodness that seemed impossible I should distrust him again or be any way anxious about anything that should ever happen to me. Now, for those of you who don't know the story of David Brainerd, he was a missionary around Jonathan Edwards' time and Mm -hmm. spent time with Jonathan Edwards. But he was a missionary to Native Americans. Dedicated. Absolutely. Got frostbite on his hands and his nose, I believe, too. Dedication. Yeah, and then he ended up dying from illness, I believe. Probably. He was hardcore. Right. But he had a heart for the Lord. I think, was he engaged to Mm. one of Jonathan Edwards? Mm, I'm not sure. Children? I'm not positive. I've got his uh, life life and work in there. I just haven't read it all. (laughs) It's on the list. Very influential. Yep. He was married Jerusha, Jerusha Brainerd, who was born Jerusha Edwards. Mm-hmm. I thought so. 
that that silence and solitude I think it's it's and maybe Don Whitney separates it from prayer to the sense of when we're praying or meditating, silence and solitude should be involved in those things. But so often we pray and what our vehicles as we're going, as we're moving. A lot of times our prayers are things that we're asking for when we're meditating on God's word. Um, Instances where we feel guilty for what we've done in seeking salvation. Yeah. I mean, you think of Jeremiah Lamentations chapter 3, verses 25 through 28. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone in silence when it is laid on him. Or as C.H. Spurgeon says, I commend solitude to any of you who are seeking salvation. First, that you may study well your case as in the sight of God. Few men truly know themselves as they really are. Mm -hmm. Most people have seen themselves in a looking glass, but there is another looking glass, which gives true reflections into which few men look. To study oneself in the light of God's word and carefully to go over one's condition, examining both the inward and outward sins, and using all the tests which are given to us in scriptures, would be a very healthy exercise, but how very few care to go through it. I think that maybe is what makes sense and solitude so difficult, is the reflection upon who we are in front of a holy God. Right, because who really wants to spend time thinking how awful they are and how wonderful God is? Yeah. No, I want God... To make to tell me how wonderful I am, yeah. Or I mean, you can look at how wonderful God is, but while you're doing that, it really shows you like how much sin there is. Yeah, how inadequate we are. But in all the inadequacies and stuff, it really shows up how much we're supposed to depend and lean on Him. That is what something that is lacked in those books that that I mentioned before at the beginning. Well, book and religion. But the book, Jesus Calling, when you have not a reliance upon God, you have a reliance on what he can give you. Right. I mean, imagine if every time we came to God, it was no different than, well, okay, it's spiritual heroin. All we're doing is seeking another high. Lord, make me feel better about myself. Lord, help me do this. Lord, make me feel good. Because that's what a lot of people tell you you should do. Instead of saying, Lord, this is who I am. This is who you've created me to be. Lord, or even so much as, Lord, I am broken over my sin. Right. I mean, silence and solitude is a good place to help refocus those thoughts. Yeah. So where it gets you out of your normal routine and gives you a chance to say, this is where I'm failing right now and need Mm -hmm. to refocus in my life. 
do. It's the mirror being pointed back at you. Yeah. Which should be our reaction, though, when we draw closer to God. We realize his holiness. Isaiah, when he sees God's holiness, what does he say in Isaiah chapter 6? Oh. Woe is me, a man of unclean lips. A man of unclean lips. Right. From a people of unclean lips. Okay. He saw God, and his his result was not, <sighs> mm-hmm. man, I feel good. Thanks for that, God. His was, woe is me. Yeah. But let's, let's continue on, and we can go with, no. we're not going to shy away, like Isaiah 6 is actually a good moment. In that moment of where Isaiah sees God, right? Mm-hmm. What does God do? Purifies him. Purifies him, and then says what? Says, "I have made you. I have made you clean. Made you clean. Mm-hmm. Okay. You just said purifies. That goes under. Yeah. What does he ask? What does God oh, ask? Oh, who will <laughs> who will go forward? Who will speak? Right. Yeah. So, who will do the will of God? Mm-hmm. Can silence and solitude, and this is going to play back into that whole thing too of Jesus calling, be used to seek the will of God? Absolutely. So what's the difference between seeking the will of God in silence and solitude mm-hmm. and what's going on here in Jesus calling? <laughs> what's the difference? What's, a, what's the difference? One, when you're seeking silence and solitude, which is, I mean, I'm not saying that everything in the book is garbage. I'm just saying most of the book is garbage. Okay. But the yeah. the difference is, is it wrong to go out in the woods and pray to God and seek a spiritual, spiritual guidance? Mm-hmm. Okay. No. But if your spiritual guidance is continually equated to new revelation okay that's a problem right and that's what i want to flesh out yeah if god is speaking to you through audible means i mean and that's not necessarily negative but i mean it should definitely put something up and you know your antenna should go up okay um if god is speaking to you through audible means and it's not directing you back to what he's already spoken by some stretch of the imagination. That's new revelation. Right. But when we're looking at seeking the will of God, like mm-hmm. going to points where, as I said, Jesus went to the mountain and it says here in Luke six, 12 through 13. And these days he went out to the mountain to pray and all night he continued in prayer to God and when day came he called his disciples and chose from them 12 whom he named apostle mm-hmm. another big one you can think of is Hudson Taylor yeah Hudson Taylor is one of the first missionaries to China and at this time he was an Englishman and Englishmen didn't go to China <laughs> yeah but the story of Hudson Taylor is so interesting because um, while he went back to England to rest and continue some medical studies, he struggled with the decision. Decision to go to China and start reaching people there. 
because in the interior of China was an unreached land. Mainly missionaries just stayed on the coastal cities. So essentially, he struggled with finding support there. And if I remember correctly, one of the main ways that Hudson Taylor got support was through his times of solitude and prayer. Uh, it wasn't based on him, actually. I mean, sounds like Richard Mueller. Yeah. You know, Richard Mueller, who started the orphanage and uh, never, never asked for anything. You know, he, in order to to get something from the orphanage, he would pray, mm-hmm. seek silence and solitude, and it'd be given to him. Give me one second. I'm looking up a book here real quick. I think that's a... But you see the contrast. Um, If you were silenced... Let me me put it this way. Let me frame it this way. If your silence and solitude is continually like, I mentioned that spiritual heroine, to uplift you and make you feel good without any betterment of anyone else... Okay, if it's not directing you, if your silence and solitude is not directing you towards evangelism, if your silence and solitude is not speaking you to stewardship or leading you to stewardship, if it's not leading you to teaching capacity of some sorts or meditating on God's word, uh, hitting your knees and praying, um, if it's not leading you to other spiritual disciplines or, you know, what God has commanded us to do, Mm -hmm. then it's not silence and solitude biblically. Right. Um, the book that I was trying to think of, it's one of the moody classics. It's called Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. Hmm. I recommend reading that one. Hmm. Have to check it out. That one's pretty good. It shows you along his path of his missionary trips and how through prayer and solitude and relying on God that he did his missionary work in China. So... So we keep talking about like silence and solitude and, and so we've talked a lot about it and, and we see a biblical basis for it. And hopefully we paint a contrast between what it is and what it isn't, right? But how do we implement it? Ooh, that's really good. What are some good ways that, is it something you have to spend 24 hours doing? <laughs> yes. This is one of those instances where I'm about to go find and open up that other book. <laughs> well, think of it. So I'll use myself for an analogy. Uh-huh. Not an analogy, as a story. Um, I, I am, I, I, my heart goes out to this discipline because I really love silence and solitude. I'm actually a, I'm a nerd. If I could be in a quiet room with my Bible, I would be very happy. I like that. I like that a lot. It's where I find peace so often. So I'm not very good at doing it, but what are, what are some practices that we can do for silence and solitude? Yeah. Carving out a deliberate time, being deliberate with our time. Yeah, absolutely. Setting up a disciplined time. Yeah, being deliberate with our time, making dedicated time. Don't do the Christian thing. I'm always in prayer. 
I never cease praying. That means you don't pray most of the time. Let's be honest. If we say, I'm always seeking silence and solitude. Okay, when was the last time you did it? Well, 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 yeah. Okay, you didn't do it. Yeah. I mean, I really like what both Whitney and David Mathis and their books have to say. Mathis has got the shorter version. Um, essentially says, pray for God's blessing during your silence and solitude. It also says, read and meditate on your Bible. Um, spend a few minutes just listening to silence. In those moments, like, listen to... It's not very silent, but you get to listen to the frogs ribbit. <laughs> or you get the time to sit and just listen to what's going on. Have paper and pen ready to go. Mm-hmm. Write down what thoughts are going there. Imagine it this way. If you think of your relationship to God equivalent to the relationship with your spouse and you treated God uh-huh. I'm sorry, reverse this. If you treated your spouse like you treat God, how healthy would your marriage be? You know, both of our wives listen to this podcast, right? They do. <laughs> but it's supposed to be a reflection upon our relationship with God. But what I mean is, imagine if you spent your entire relationship talking. Right. Or you spent your entire relationship doing something continually. Mm-hmm. It's fun. It's really fun to go on vacations. But if you never actually, I don't know, sat down with your wife or your husband and just be in their presence, mm-hmm. do you think your relationship's going to last very long? Nope. Yeah. But you're doing all these activities to spend time with each other. Right. Why isn't it working? Well, it's not working because you're not really spending time with each other. You're doing things together, but you're not actually dwelling with each other. You're not saying, I care about who you are as a person. You're saying, I care about your presence in the room. Right. There's this special skill that's called listening. And silence and solitude gives us an opportunity to practice that, right? And silence and solitude is the listening aspect of our relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And why I get blamed for not listening very frequently. Well, we're guys. We have this thing that's called active listening where we can turn it on and off. This is true. It's really just one track. Oh, when I was growing up, my mom had this shirt for me. It had like a glass case case, case on it and it had that red button in there, right? Uh (laughs) It said active listening. (laughs) So we're like, you can press it on and off. (laughs) Or it looked like you press it on or off. That's funny. But in the instances, like, we like to do that in our instances with God, right? Mm -hmm. Where we 
like to just turn it on on Sundays mm-hmm. or Wednesday nights or even doing small groups. But And you, you go with that same analogy with your relationship. When you talk about church, doing church things, okay, that's the equivalent of going out to eat with a couple. Great, you're spending good quality time with your significant other, but you're not spending time with them. Right. You're spending time with everyone. You're not stopping. I mean, the, the main focus might be might be God, but you're not giving all your attention. If you didn't give all your attention to your wife, she's going to let you know about it. Yep. It, there's definitely times where they let you know. They let you know. Uh-huh. Which is why we're not doing this tomorrow. Which is why we're not doing this tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. So, we see what we what we accept as healthy relationship what 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 is taken as healthy relationship advice a lot of times is not equated to our relationship with God absolutely we follow it in one area of our life in the other area we just cast it off yeah and it's really easy to cast this portion off mhm but it's, it's at the same time like we realize we don't realize like how much time we waste into where we could implement this into. Yeah. I mean, and that would really cycle us back to where we started in the first yeah. place with this podcast. Yeah, we waste a lot of time. So how do we speak? How do we give silence? Deliberate, being deliberate about our time, being meaningful about our time. I think deliberate and meaningful kind of go together. You can be deliberate and not be meaningful. Being deliberate. And I think being deliberate might lead to the meaningful, but either way, they two to go hand in hand. You should plan the time, and then your heart should be in the time. Right. And learning learning how to incorporate your heart is good. Yeah. Yes. It's not your heart. It's not going to be in it 100% of the time. That's mm-hmm. not going to be a realistic goal, but it's something that's definitely going to be a part of it. Yeah. I think it has to be, and I think if it's not, your heart's not in it, you should evaluate it. Let's say you're doing silence and solitude in the mornings. Wake up, mm-hmm. you're you're praying, you're getting your meditating, and then you're just being quiet. If the, you, you lose luster in that, just as you would your spouse, let's say you are sitting there, you're doing the same routine, you're going out to eat continually, and eventually it just doesn't mean what it once does. Does that mean you just... Well, I guess we're just going to keep doing this for five or ten years. No, you, you change it up. I was wondering where you were going to go with that. This. <laughs> you change up the routine. Let's do something special. Right. Don't you, we all say that? You don't the... change up the wife. <laughs> you don't change up the wife. Don't do that. You change up the routine. You change up the atmosphere. Let's do something different. Let's mm-hmm. change this. Becomes morning. You, you, you're doing. You're giving your sentence. I'll do in the mornings. That loses its luster. Your heart's not in it. You're just doing it out of obedience. I'm not saying don't do that. Right. That's still good. But seek your sons and solitude in the Lord in a different way. Regain the love. I think that's important. You have to have that heartfelt love and desire to do that. Or it is just 
going through the motions. Right. And that is a whole nother rabbit trail <laughs> of regaining the love. It is, yeah. Sometimes. But being deliberate about our time, being meaningful about our time, and being alone. Because mm-hmm. while there are times of where we need fellowship, we also need those times of aloneness. Yeah. Even extroverts need Even extroverts, that time yeah. alone. You need to be alone with God. Mm-hmm. Man. For our first episode back in three months, we have done a very long job of doing this one. Well, we'll be quiet from now on. We'll we'll probably be silent for another month. (laughs) Maybe we were just practicing. (laughs) That's exactly what I was thinking, but I don't want to lie on air. (laughs) We should have started with that. We've been practicing silence and solitude for so many months. So we could prepare for this. So we could prepare for this. God and his providence has lined it this way. But in all reality, the only reason we were doing this is because we did not make <laughs> enough time for silence and solitude to do this. It sounded really good, though. It did. It sounded really good. But, guys, thanks for listening to Anchor by Faith. You can find us on most major podcasting sites or find us at anchorbyfaith.pod bean.com um, feel free to be on the lookout for new podcast and remember the idea is to help both you and us to be conformed to the image of god my name is logan batisti and my name is colton Wright. don't be on the lookout for silence from us we'll be try to be more consistent <laughs> <laughs> i hope so we, we we're gonna make it a deliberate and meaningful effort Have a good night, y'all. God bless.